0: From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for the number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy,
1: podcast.
0: and here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw.
2: Yes, this is Mark Hershon, And at long last, this is Epi 97 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. I am coming to you from the confines of a rented Studio F, a Fiat 500 parked in a covered parking lot adjacent to a condo overlooking the beach in Waikiki on the island of Oahu, Hawaii. That's right. Podcasting never sleeps or takes holidays. At least that's the impression we podcasters like to give. Although Suckatash is fraught with delays at every turn, I still try to get one out when I can, and being on vacation in paradise is no excuse for not putting out the next episode of Suckatash. This show, we've got not just some comedy podcast clips for you, but also a few of the interviews that I did recently at the third annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival. I know it was a month ago. Sorry. Among the many folks I got a chance to talk to while I was in the Squarespace podcast lab was Janet Varney from the JV Club podcast, Christine Blackburn from the Storyworthy podcast, and Matt Weinhold from the Monster Party podcast. I will play clips from all three of those shows, as well as the interviews, and also a bunch of other clips, mostly harvested by our ace associate producer, Tyson Saner. While I was in L.A. for the PodFest, just before I left town, literally... Uh, I dropped by and got to be a guest on the Monster Party podcast with James Gones, Sean Sheridan, Larry Stroth, and Matt Weinhold. So uh, that's uh, part of the clip I'm going to be playing right now. That episode uh, with me on their podcast dropped this week. So he- uh, here's a sample. <laughs> <laughs> now, does the lineage hold true? Do we look at Victor Frankenstein as well as uh, a oh, mad doctor? Oh, sure, sure. Absolutely. From Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein.
3: Frankenstein. Wow, very good. Um, would you guys say that he's a, a mad doctor? Of course, it's a comedy, but he's still a mad doctor. He's he, still he
4: goes uh, insane. Yeah, he does
2: go insane. He he's pretty intense to begin with in the, that movie. Even he's yeah. resisting following the family curse.
3: Gene Wilder, right? Yeah. right. Yeah. Yes, and, and, and he's he, still
2: kind of uh, uh, hysterical. Don't let me out, no matter what I say. me <laughs> out, <laughs> <laughs> you, know,
1: you oh, Punch a fucking head in. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's a little taste of what happened at the Monster Party a little later in the show. I'm going to play a a longer cut, also the interview I did, with friend of Suckatash, Matt Weinhold, when he dropped by the Podcast Lab earlier that PodFest weekend. Something else that went down that weekend, actually the night before the weekend started, was the Chilpak Hollywood Hour Party Cast at the Bottle Rock in Downtown LA. I talked about that a little bit last episode. Well your friends in podcasting, Dean Haglin and Phil Larnis, they put on a live version of their weekly podcast. I managed to make it there more or less on time after blasting out of the most icily spaceport and making the castle run that afternoon translation for my non-geeky listeners. I took a half day off work in San Francisco and headed down I-5 that afternoon, making it barely in time for the show. A number of folks that listened to and have been featured on Chill Pack showed up, and the boys took turns talking to everyone there in the room. I like to think of myself as the headliner as they got around to me just as the time was wrapping up. (laughs) This clip is a bit longer than many of the glimpses we catch of the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, but then why
5: shouldn't it be? I'm in it! And now, finally, we should end this podcast by talking a little bit with uh, the Podfather. The Podfather. The man who first described us, and I say first as if other people are lining up to do it, (laughs) but first described us at the Retro Dome in San Jose, I think, as as podcast royalty. You were interviewing us ostensibly about our movie, Uh, The Truth is Out There, the documentary of comedy, consciousness, conspiracy. Yep. Uh, And... and you said, "Can I ask you a couple questions about the podcast?" And and we said, "Sure." Sure, why not? Uh, and you said, "What's it like to to be uh, you know considered podcast royalty?" Right. We didn't understand. Yeah, the, our, the question. Yeah, we well, didn't. Well, it was, it was
2: more like you know how they have these British lords that buy their titles.
1: <laughs> 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 that is us. It,
2: it was yeah. like that. It was we like, how did you in get in this head. position? I don't understand. No, no, yeah, no. How did we get? A- here? As I explained at the time on my show, Suckatash, that you guys are the responsible for me deciding. I'm going to do a podcast because somebody has to be able to do a better job than Ah. these two. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, no. See how easy it is? You know, you know, glass
5: of wine Agent <laughs> Summer's not going to upgrade that review <laughs> with that kind of attitude. Uh, one of our, our dear listeners, Agent yes. Summer, who we mm. love, uh, wrote a, a not-so-glowing review of Suck Attack. Oh! Yeah. And posted Dude. it on iTunes. What the? With two
2: stars.
5: Snap. What yeah. the hell?
2: Right? We
1: apologize. That's all right. For no. No.
2: You know what? I have a couple of telegrams to read, first of all.
5: <laughs>
2: I actually, I took uh, a... Uh, by the way, ever. by I, the way
5: way you got in a car in Marin I and did. drove straight here to be a at, part of this at 1:30 this tonight.
2: afternoon and I'm here now wow, you know, talking amazing.
5: to you. I mean That's
1: actually slow. Isn't I it?
5: mean Paige flew from Washington, D.C. to wow, be here. Wow, so, okay. Yeah. All right, I'm so I'm not driving. the far, I didn't come from yeah. the furthest yeah. away. But oh. she didn't send me photos, she didn't text me photos of her trip <laughs> that's right. all the way. That's, that's right. So. But when I got here, when you guys started,
2: I took a selfie of me with you guys in the background, and I posted it on Twitter, and uh, Chris Bono
5: said, they're having a party? Uh, Tell him I said hello. You didn't get him on the invites don't what? know well wow. uh, so so this falls awkward. entirely under the category of things phil's supposed to do yeah, <laughs> yeah no chris i guess uh, jason yes, Duplissy from what duvet
2: said said to say hello wow and uh travis and, who travis and brandy clark from a tiny odd okay. conversation said to say hello okay well here's so, all right so, Bell, wait
5: wait so here's so here's oh, here uh, what go. i would say to these people uh You know, if they listened to the show, they would know where and when this party was and that everyone was invited.
1: Exactly. They just got kneecapped right there.
5: (laughs) Uh, Yes. You miss a little of your Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. You You miss miss a a lot. lot. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, not only this, but last week we gave away... free duffel bags to kids 14 and under for the first 40,000 listeners. That's right. It's true. Wow. Stupid me. Because we care. Hey, how many times has Mark Hershon been on this show? Mark Hershon has been on the show uh, I would say several times, but the first one was 225.
2: Number 225. That's
3: right. And then uh, afterwards, I, several times via Skype and uh, oh, over the yeah. phone. You so voicemail really
5: messages that we've played.
3: That's right. So it's really, you can't count the number of times or the amount of impact this
6: man has had on your program. <laughs> Absolutely. And how
2: many times, we have how many times have you, you been on Suckatash is the question. You guys the have been on you know, Since we started our quote-unquote feud
5: <laughs> yes. That oh, no, was feud that we've been having. You've been on, I mean, every episode since last I know, year, it's so right? great. Yeah, it's so fantastic. great. In fact, now I love that sometimes we'll talk about it in on the show. Hey, did you hear what we were excerpted <laughs> saying on Succotash? Yeah, it's become uh, very meta. For yeah. those few people who don't know, Succotash Show is like the talk soup of comedy podcasts. Right. They cover right? all the comedy podcasts.
2: Yeah, we clip podcasts, except you guys get mentioned every episode. Right. right. I've had mentioned. podcasters... Call me up and say, How do we get that deal? Right.
5: <laughs> and for people who aren't middle aged, on next week's show, we'll explain what talk soup is.
2: <laughs> you can catch those bastions of podcast royalty at their home site, chillpackhollywood.com, or on blog talk radio. In addition to the clips and many interviews I have this episode, we have a new burst of durst from a raging moderate Will Durst, a sparkling new Henderson's pants commercial, and a look inside the tweets. Uh, no. Sorry, Tweety. No look inside the Tweet Sack this week, because um, the show's just too darn long. Uh, so, no, those of you who mentioned uh, or, or uh, tweeted or retweeted us on uh, Twitter the last couple weeks, uh, I, just, I just made a command decision, and we don't have time to get to it this time, but we'll do it next week, okay? We also have had a call into our Succotash Hotline this past week from Podcast Dan at the Taco Tuesday Podcast. He's not to be mistaken with Radio Dan, who I talked to at the PodFest. I will have that chat coming up in the next episode of this show. But in the meantime, here's Podcast Dan plugging his wares. Hey, Mark, this
5: is uh, Podcast Dan uh, with Taco Tuesday Podcast. Adam Wolf and I do a tech, comedy, and music podcast weekly. You can find us over at PodBeam or at uh, Taco Tuesday. Dot podbean.com uh, this week's episode 10 was uh, one, of our, one of our funny ones I think uh, you guys are going to kick out of it so give us a listen, uh, give us some feedback we'd be glad to hear it thanks, It's the podcast, Dan, I'm out
2: so there you go, give Taco Tuesdays a listen, and if you're a comedy podcaster and want to give us a shout on the Suckatash hotline, the number is eight one eight nine two one seven two one two, and we'll throw your message right up here on the show speaking of the show We've got a lot to get to this week, so let's hit those clips. Tyson sends along a podcast I'd not heard before this show, The New Hollywood. I'm not sure this qualifies as a comedy podcast, by the way. The show's home site describes the show as a podcast interview show about the greatest films of the 70s by the people who made them. But there are sure some great funny stories in some of the episodes. This clip is from a few weeks ago, when actor Stacey Keach and uh, host Brian Flaherty discussed a lot about Keach's career. But here's a bit where he and a partner wrote what could have been a war epic for Roger Corman.
1: I'm
4: really interested in the persona that you brought to screen when you did start making film and television, right? And it seems like you just learned your craft doing everything under the sun for a good
7: six, seven years. Oh yeah, easily. I, I when we were in high school, we formed. Uh, there was a the, uh, a young student, of, his name was Joel Tater, and he was very talented, a good writer and comedian. And we sort of teamed up and decided to write a movie and make a movie together. And we took short, of, we, grew, we formed this group, uh, and uh, it was called Tater Teach Associates. <laughs> and we made a small movie called Strange Reflection. And uh, <laughs> it's it's about a 20 minute movie. It's, based, it's, it's very Hitchcockian. and has a nice twist at the end. And believe it or not, this
0: movie,
7: it, it got some attention. Roger Corman heard about it. My oh boy. Called us into his office and said, my brother Gene Corman has just made a movie called Blood and Steel. It's about a white soldier and a black soldier in, in a swamp. And they're... It was a little bit like the Fugitive Kind, only... The Defiant Ones. The it Defiant Ones, defiant that's, defiant right. ones. The defiant, yeah. that's what I mean, the Defiant Ones. And he said, I want you to take that script and set it in North Africa, in the desert, and and retool it. Well, Joel and I thought this was the greatest thing in the world, this oppor- what a great opportunity. So we sat down and we wrote this war epic that had tanks and airplanes. We didn't have any idea what the cost of these things were. We were kids. We we're 19, eighteen, nineteen 19 years old, you know, and we wrote this, we wrote this, you, you know, this story about the, the, the allies being, uh, pushing the, the Rommel and his troops sure, out, North Africa, out yeah. of North Africa. Yeah. And with you know, all these explosions, you know, and came <laughs> to, to, to Robert Korman and he, he, he said, no, he said, his line was, it does not follow the Aristotelian principles, <laughs> well, which is another way of him saying it's too expensive. Oh, yeah, by by a lot. By a lot. Oh, so I went great. off to Berkeley, right. and Joel went to KTLA and became uh, head of the news division there. Is that right? And then, Yeah, and then later we became the producer of many shows for KTLA. He produced Tom Schneider show, and he's is retired now. He's retired now. He's very much on my mind because... um on October seventeenth, it's the one hundredth anniversary of Van Nuys High School, where we both
6: went to school. You graduated Van Nuys High School, yeah, and it was it started a hundred years ago on October seventeenth. That's right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna go, we
7: thought we'd do a skit, but I don't know if we're gonna have time to put that together. Oh, that's funny. Because we used to inter- we used to entertain the uh, the students with we we'd make these little films, we wrote radio plays, we. would you know, we were doing all kinds of things. So the, the long and the short is my experience in film really started yeah. in high school yeah. with our own company. Do you own this 20-minute? Do you have a copy yeah, of it somewhere? It. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I can show it to you. That's funny. Find more great
2: tales of Hollywood, both new and old, at their home site, the com. Like pretty much any other podcast, they're on iTunes, of course, as well as Stitcher Smart Radio, and they have a Tumblr site, a Facebook page, and a Twitter feed. Of course, most of the more savvy podcasts do all those things, so I don't think I have to mention that after every clip, do I? So, at the L.A. PodFest, I finally got my old friend Janet Varney to sit down and chat for a bit. I've known her since before she got out of college when she and her fellow sketch performers were in a group called Totally False People, and they used to open for my improv group, the Riffingtons, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Needless to say, she and her companions have far outstripped my showbiz career on many fronts, and I love it. She's great, and her podcast, The JV Club, is going great guns. Here's a clip from a recent episode with her guest, fellow co-star from the Burning Love TV series, Noreen DeWolf. Right after the clip, we'll go into the interview from the podcast festival.
8: This is—I just—I just had my three-year anniversary. It's 2014. Of that your means wedding? I got married in 2011. Maybe, maybe I'm
9: going all the way back to like the very, very first thing we shot and you were about to go get married or something. I don't
8: know. The pilot. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Wow. I'm going all the way back. That's right. I wasn't married then. You're right. You're totally right. And then I got married and then we shot. we didn't shoot a series until a year later. Remember? Yeah.
9: Yeah. It did take a long time. You're totally right. I was just engaged. Well, I barely was right. By that time you already (laughs) were married. So I really should have known that the whole time we were
8: working together. (laughs) Well, how about me? I probably
9: don't talk about my husband enough. (laughs) Um, I remember knowing who, I definitely remember having the conversation with you that he was a hockey player and all that good stuff. And because I know, I remember we talked about just kind of what it is like to have someone you know you think that you escape certain amounts of like separation if you marry outside of the Mm -hmm. acting you know entertainment world but if you end up marrying someone who's in sports like you have to kind of go through the same sort of challenges for sure which is good and bad right i mean it's nice to be reunited with someone and to like keep a, a closeness and an intimacy over sometimes i miss the like you know being apart from someone and like Emails and phone calls and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, but after a while, then it just becomes like, "Would you just come home, please?"
8: Yeah, that's like the we've thing. done that already. Yeah, you know, it has its um, advantages. You know, I think living apart and being married is very 2014. You know, in mm-hmm. a way, you almost can't do it without FaceTime and Skype and all this like kind of semi-recent technology. So. I, I definitely think my relationship is a modern relationship. Uh (laughs) Um, and, um, you know, it's also based on like, uh, him and, and me being successful because it's also expensive to travel to see your partner and
9: it's a really good point.
8: Yeah. It's expensive. You know, I think people don't think of all the tickets and all the, um, all the things you have to do for a long distance marriage and, Mm -hmm. or to keep it intact rather. So yeah, I, you know, but his career is not forever, you know, professional athletes, they don't play forever. And so I know that he will come here to LA when he's done and, and we already spend the off season together. So what's
9: the off season? Like says the girl again, who does not know. About <laughs> um,
8: well, like the hockey season is very long. It's from, um, September, um, when they start training camp, to however long they can play uh, in the playoffs, you know, they, meaning they, their season can end as early as May, it can go on until the end of June. Jesus, yeah. So, or it can end actually the end of April rather. So, um, like it's it's a long season, nine months and um, eighty games. I think it's wow. just, yeah. Does he get?
9: Is there a point at which he not to make you tell his story, but is there mm-hmm. a point at which he is like?
8: all right this is just like a little <laughs> bit more long than i would want to be <laughs> like you am sure they burnout, all get. yeah you know? i mean the thing is they live and die for their sport you know they love it so much so i think it's like us with acting it's like you know you're six months on set you would probably get a little bit like oh god this character but <laughs> at the same time you're like i'm so lucky to be here i'm sure happy. hopefully you're like that but yeah. you know it's that
9: can be we sort of lose sight of that sometimes yeah. not we but like as a collective some people yeah. do and some people don't
8: but i think yeah. like you know gratitude yeah. is part of this whole equation so yeah
2: Uh, Janet Varney joins us here in the podcast lab. My
1: version,
9: whom I have known for probably 15 years.
2: I think that's about right. Yeah. Absolutely. I've seen
9: you bearded. I've seen you not bearded. <laughs> that's right. I've seen you bearded. I've seen you not You've
2: bearded. seen me wived. You've seen me unwived. I've seen you
9: wived and dewived. <laughs> I like to think of it as a lousing process.
2: <laughs> but Did you
9: use a shampoo? Did, yeah. Yeah.
2: And one of those little tiny yeah. combs. Understood.
9: <laughs> 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 only way to be sure. It's the only way to be sure.
2: Uh, so Janet's here. She's uh, she just finished doing her uh, JV Club live on stage oh, at the third annual PodFest. And uh, you have been very busy, which is great. I, I see been. you on TV all the time oh, so in nice. various things.
9: Thank you. And Hopefully all of them I
1: know
2: about. I, probably. I mean, it's <laughs> not like TMZ. It's all shows. But yeah. um, like I would see you on like Psych.
1: Um, oh, oh look at Janet!
9: That's such a great show. Those guys. are the I love that guys. show. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, you've uh, you've had quite that a amazing. run uh, voicing Cora.
9: Yeah, and how's I've been that, Cora? Oh, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Yeah, I didn't. I went from kind of watching friends of mine who liked attending Comic Con type festivals and, and and different events across the country and. Um, and to like becoming somebody who would actually appear at them, and I, I don't, it, it still feels, I'm sure that somebody who becomes wildly famous and you know is walking red carpets all the time would say the same thing, and my version of that is much smaller, uh-huh. but I, I do still think, like, oh, someone wants me to fly to Ohio, I don't know why.
1: That's and, funny, and
9: it's it's because of that show, and and the show is so so great and so special. And
2: how did you get into it? I mean, was it just a casting process? Yeah,
9: yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't have a lot of voiceover experience. I mean, I definitely had the fantasy of doing voiceover because um, I had friends who were doing cartoon voices, and that was kind of always something that I liked the idea of. Yeah. But I really had no sense of how to even begin, which is funny because you would think that in the entertainment business, you would. If you, if you do one thing then you would yeah, feel like you could do another and yeah. instead it seemed like this weird mysterious nebulous world well there's I, definitely I
2: walls up between the factions yeah. you know yeah. uh, in, in some regards I think there are voiceover people that just they want to yes, protect their was, space yeah. sure. You know? sure hey this is our job where we can come in our sweatpants I get it I get it
9: I always feel overdressed <laughs> if I come from an audition or something and I have <laughs> lipstick on I'm like yeah. I, I feel like I have to apologize yeah. to yeah. this isn't for you so don't make fun <laughs> of me it's for the rest of my life
2: did you see that uh, that movie, In a World?
9: No, I haven't seen it yet, Lake's movie.
2: It's pretty darn funny. I haven't funny. seen it, I really want to see it. It is pretty darn funny, and yeah. being in the, in the business, you'll definitely appreciate it, I'm sure.
9: I'm sure I will. Um, She's so talented. Yeah.
2: What led you to do uh, the JV Club, what, in terms of, this is the format I wanted
9: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think um, I knew I wanted to do a podcast. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what that would be, because it prevented me from actually having to do it um, to always be deciding but I knew I didn't, wanted, I didn't want to step on anyone's toes because I feel like I have so many friends who are podcasters so I, I definitely wanted to kind of think of something that was an opportunity to fill maybe a hole that no, we didn't know we had Yeah. and um, honestly it is one of those things where I don't remember sitting down with a pad and paper and like writing down six ideas and yeah. then deciding on okay. one It was very, very organic. It was like... I feel like I'm ha- I am I really think, I remember having this conversation with Chris Hardwick, with whom I was in a relationship at the time, saying you know, I just keep feeling like I'm having these conversations with people and the business, the business about how much like high school this feels. Uh, yeah. And it's really making me think about those times and I kind of am really interested in what everyone's experience was like and how that can kind of play back and forth with what your life is like now. And, um, and then I also thought and I never thought I would be this person, but I really was like, yeah. you know, for all my great guy friends, yeah, they're, they're I just feel yeah, like I that's, that's who, who's on podcasts, and podcasts oh, absolutely. Um, hosts and guests, yeah. for yeah. the most part at the time. And so I just decided <laughs> to only interview women. And again, I don't remember being like, hmm, this is really,
2: yeah, yeah. this is a
9: process where I'm really weighing absolutely. out whether I should or not. It just kind of yeah, I mean, happened where I was right? like, this is what I should do, yeah, and this is who I should do it with.
2: Well, being uh, a sort of an unofficial curator of comedy podcast as Suckatash is
9: I'd like to make an official one I don't know what kind of presidential signage we need I
2: think think your show and its voice uh, was something that was really needed and I think it helped to spark what I perceive as being more and more of a female presence in comedy podcasting thank you so much
9: Um, And
2: it's one of those things that I think really is sparked by people getting the idea of wow if she can do this show why can't I do a show and not like why can't I a show where I interview women, but it's, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. Yeah, you know, I,
9: if that's in one percent true. I that feels amazing.
2: Uh, I I definitely think it is because I think you can you can sort of chart your entree into the field, and then you see more and more, and more of these shows of of women, and and they're getting. And like I said, it's not just women saying, "Well, let's just be women in podcasting." It's, I, can be, I can be I can be a podcaster, yeah, and I can talk about whatever I want to.
9: Absolutely, right. Well, I also like and. And now now I really do feel like I'm tooting my own horn, but I want to toot the horn uh, of my guests to say I feel like I've been so lucky to recognize that, you know, here I've had uh, over 100 episodes, and grant you I have been doing the Boys of Summer series, which was great, and I hope to return to that next summer. But um, all the women that I have on have this amazing gift of being so funny and so warm and so real and personal, and I think that's what appeals to me as kind of a listener. To my guests mm-hmm. is that I don't need a separation yeah. between just comedy and silliness, yeah. silliness or just Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if you it, have friends yeah. that make you laugh, I guess, I why wouldn't that you that even would want to also that talk that about things that make, that make you cry?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Without it being. we Well, over the have top. a discussion. Yeah. Not, yeah. not have some sort of orchestrated yeah. thing where okay, this is all about just comedy and we're just going to be funny. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, it's all part and parcel, and I think it is. I mean, I don't want to put men and women in, in different boxes, but I think there is an emotional connection that you can have to your guests that most men. I mean, most men think on an intellectual basis, and they 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 think very much. They filter everything through an intellect, and I think women have more of a tendency to filter things through an emotional.
1: Why it's lens mm-hmm. and so
2: I think it makes it natural to be able to say let's just combine these things we don't have to parse it out yeah and say okay now let's talk about feely things let's yeah. do that now.
9: yeah and uh, true when you look at a lot of stand-up comedians you realize oh they are really you know Louis CK being the example of the perennial example that people always use but you know Marin too and but um how much we are talking about personal stuff. I'm not a stand up, but how much stand ups are talking about tough personal stuff. Yes.
4: Just in a in
9: a very specific planned you know kind of safe way, but all of that stuff is still there. All of the meat is still yes, there in extemporaneous conversation too. You know? But it's
2: organized, you know. Yeah. It's just that yeah. sort of thing. It still it still has an intellectual bento bento box.
9: That makes sense. That's a
2: good way of putting to go it. Go into it. Yeah, yeah no, which is great. Um, what now? You've been doing the podcast for how long now?
9: I time? get confused because I, I had recorded like a ton of episodes before, episodes before I ever aired anything, like almost a, a year's oh, worth okay. of work. Not a year's end, worth of episodes, like that but I had been that. working on it for it a year. Like, you know, if an opportunity would come to podcast someone, I would do it and just tuck it away. And then two months later, someone else, and then I would do that. And then at some point I was like, okay, I guess I have to start really releasing these now. So I think if you include that, it's been maybe almost four years. Okay. Okay. But, I mean, I only have out, yeah. like, 130 oh, yeah. episodes-ish or a it's something it's like awesome. that. Absolutely. Um, uh,
2: do you see some days, sort of uh, place that the show is going to grow and to? Speech speech and turn, I mean, are you going to do video? Or? I am the
9: worst at these questions. Um, I am the worst at these questions. Uh, <laughs> the, of these questions. Well, the whole five-year plan yeah, thing is I am yeah, the support. worst at that. I so admire friends of mine who are like, well, I would like to da 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 and then I would like to da 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 don't. I don't know. I don't have... Not
1: that, a you have a, not that you have man. a plan, yeah.
2: but when you just sort of think about the show, I mean, maybe you don't think about it in those terms. I mean, it's like, I know, I just I'm just going to keep doing like the show, and then if something presents, presents itself, I'll, yeah. I'll go that well, way. Well, I
9: think, um, I but feel think like, it, like it's about, I would. It's like, I think there's a, a book so in there, mystery, you know, LA, you know that's, that's not really, movie movie, that's movie, like a an offshoot of. Sure. But I feel, you know, a lot of people ask me, is it going to be, is it ever going to go video? And that is something that I waffle about all the time, because I think that a really different experience. It's a really different experience being on camera as a guest (laughs) talking about personal stuff
1: and it's a different
9: experience for the listener. You know, it's just different sitting at home and watching television yeah. versus being in your car was very intimate or being in someone's earbuds. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if I would want it to be video unless it was like very different yeah. elements of that, that kind of come into play. But I wouldn't want it to just be, now it's just the two of us sitting on my rug, but you see that yeah. on a regular basis. I don't think I would want that because yeah. I don't know if I would want to watch that. I was talking earlier to
2: another, another guest about the difference between radio and television and podcast. Podcasting, audio podcasting is the same way. Where it's uh, it's a more of an, a medium of the imagination because you're hearing a voice, but you have to visualize everything they're talking about. Even if it's somebody talking about a story about when they were 12 years old, you're going to see some sort of pictures in your mind, as opposed to TV, where you want to be shown something.
1: Right. other than a talk show where people
2: are talking you want to be able to what, are, what am I want? you've been trained that TV is going to show you pictures absolutely right Yeah. so it's almost like if you did it on TV you'd have to have somebody holding up images or have some sort of you know like a, a reenactment on like some grainy <laughs> super 8 film of, let's take a look at the film of when you were 8 years older what it might have been like
9: right no that's really that's really true And and we I like the idea I say we like I have a team of people but I like the idea of having some sort of visual representation, but I, I, that's why yeah, I started in. Yeah. And it's well, it's with you said that's not something outliers. that I maintain. Why I said we because ahead, a couple of really I nice girls who just volunteered to just help with it started doing it. But I we did, we did do like, a Pinterest like, account so, search so search that you could movies. see sort of a bulletin you know, board something. representation oh, cool. of yes, okay. a lot of different quotes and pictures and references to eighty stuff. So that's sort of a way to visualize it. But it's still, that still to me feels better than just somebody watching my mouth make words. Yeah. that feels like that just feels like an afterthought like oh do you want to also watch this great
2: although if you do do a TV show that should be the tagline watch my mouth
9: make words you're so right that was a real gem that was a real gem of an idea
2: watch
10: my mouth make words
2: Uh switching gears uh, you are one of the producers of the Sketchfest in San Francisco rounding on it's 14th year
9: like uh, yeah this will be our 14th year and
2: so Oh, this is about the time of year when you are looking or uh, you're looking at submissions right i mean it's
9: yeah, yeah, we have, we're, we're looking at submissions, we are figuring out, you know, some sort of programming of returning big shows and new big shows and um, just, yeah, this is it's a real corralling of thoughts and organization right now, it's a, there's a lot of lassoing of our own brains, I think, that's happening at this, this time, because all of a sudden it's just like, the holidays, suddenly it's November, suddenly it's December, so.
2: yeah, so, so how much of uh, sort of your attention does to take as you're ramping up. I know when you're there, you're totally into mm. it because you have to be. You're, yeah. one of, you're one of a three-headed beast that's trying to run yeah. this massive show. Yeah, but shout as out to my
9: fellow beasts, Paul Stroud and David Owen. Uh, who have uh,
2: who I've talked to on the show before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so do you have to kind of gird yourself for it oh, for sure. for every year? For
9: sure, yeah. I think the,
1: the amount of outside
9: non-Sketchfest career stuff that I can squeeze in as we get closer and closer the festival becomes you know exponentially smaller Um, and uh, and that's a little that's hard you know it's hard it's hard on both sides I think it's hard for me well, not to have as like much time during time the years as I would like, 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 like for SketchFest and then it's hard be the around SketchFest for me to not have, to have as much time to my do my cons and stuff like things that I like yeah. think that is kind like of the, the, the endless loop it. that a performer like you know writer, not obviously you're a great writer you know that that every job you sort of think like I hope there's more stuff on the other side of this and so that is like a weird little voice in your head when you're like well I gotta just buckle down and do SketchFest I can't audition, I can't do this, I can't do that There's always a little bit of a hope of, like, I really hope that they haven't forgotten about me. (laughs) I'm still here. Yeah, so dumb. Yeah.
2: Um, You were great in uh, the selling.
9: Oh, I'm so proud of the selling. Cave Diani and
2: and, uh, 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 Edda Devine. Now, Uh, were you uh, a part of their uh, Meet the Apocalypse? Yeah,
9: yeah, I was, And and... I, I hear that the editing of that is going great, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to do something in that with with Johnny Silverman, was oh, my husband. Cool. Silverman Was my husband. So Excellent. That'll be really fun to see too. Yeah, talk about, you know, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and right. really just those guys.
2: They're kind of The amazing. amount of passion yeah. Yeah. and hard
9: work they put into everything they do is like a constant inspiration to me. I yes. feel like So lazy. And <laughs> to it I,
2: I know it's really amazing. Yeah. It really is. Uh, I don't want to. Hold you up? I know you're busy. I would love to have you sit for a, a long uh, interview at some point. Sure, if we ever sure. get a chance. Of course. I know we a, keep
9: always trying to do a whole show. Uh,
2: maybe when you're up for Sketchfest, we can shave off a little time. Yeah. At least you'll be local. and yeah. We could do that.
11: Yeah. But absolutely. continued
2: success with your podcast, we'll uh, we'll play a clip uh, for uh, along with this interview. Oh, great! And it's high time that I uh, I give your uh, podcast oh, a review for Huffington Post one of these days. Oh, too. that'd be
9: great. Well, I mean, I did used to work there, so yeah, there you go. You can say former Huff Post
2: perfect there you go mm-hmm. all, this all right yeah. great thanks yeah. so much thanks mark
3: i'll
2: talk to you again soon thanks, oh that was great to talk to janet her her podcast the jv club is on the nerdist network so be sure to check it out a podcast that's just getting started is bad reception with host jordan shearer It's only a couple of episodes in. The show's website says that Jordan talks to himself and guests about life, pop culture, and comedy. In the clip that Tyson Sainer pulled, the host is talking to his listeners about why they should give podcasting a try for themselves.
10: If you're somebody who listens to podcasts and uh, you enjoy them, uh, why don't you start your own? Why don't you start your own podcast? First problem, you don't have a microphone. That's what most people would say. I don't have a microphone. I don't know how to do it. It's really, really easy. Uh, the microphone that I have is called a Blue Yeti. It plugs literally right into your computer, and you can just open an audio recording program and just instantly start recording the show like that. And then you just you can just plug it away online. You can just put it up there. Um some people think that they're too boring to start a podcast. There's that old uh, saying that um, you can never ask a boring question. There's no such thing as a boring question. That's bullshit. I, uh, I, I've done community radio. I know for a fact that I've asked multiple boring questions. I'm a connoisseur of fucking terribly boring questions. Um, but you, you may think you're boring. Okay, but that's not true. Let's be realistic about this. Nobody's really boring. Nobody's fully boring. Um, You might be kind of boring, or you might be going through a boring period of your life uh, where you're not doing much, but so what? I mean, that doesn't mean you've never had an interesting experience. You have a long uh, chain of events leading up to where you are now. So all those things are interesting. It might even be interesting that you're such a boring person. If you are so boring that it's interesting, then you're still interesting. Uh, I, I don't think that anybody's not interesting because um, although, yeah, we're part of a country and we're part of the global world and we're all part of our communities, we all are in individual households where our true weirdness comes out. And if you just get a microphone – it doesn't even have to be any expensive microphone. You, you have a microphone right now. You have your cell phone. Who's saying that it needs to be top quality recording? I know it sounds it's better to have better recordings, but if you want to get it out there, just record it on your phone. It works well enough. If people can uh, decipher what you're saying, um, it works. Uh, so just start doing it. Just start recording your thoughts, you know. Say you uh, love a TV show, just start talking about it. Say something weird happened to you, just start talking about it into the microphone. It's even probably a form of therapy. Uh, It's awesome. I think everybody, like everybody has a Facebook page, everybody should have their own podcast. Uh, I would listen to all of your podcasts. Uh, There's like, and especially when I, I meet like a weird person, most of the time my first thought is, Jesus, you need to start your own show. You need to just start recording your thoughts into a microphone. I would definitely listen to them. And, uh, like, imagine listening to, like, a, a preacher from the South's podcast and his views on things. I'm sure I would agree with zero of what he has to say, but it would still be interesting to listen to it and maybe poke fun or something. I don't know. Uh, but you should start your own podcast, and not even for you. Don't even just start your podcast for you. You may not think about it like this, but the internet's going to be around for a long time. So the recordings that you're doing are going to become a part of history. Um, our time is going to be considered old school, uh, probably pretty quickly. Uh, our way of doing things, our thought processes, the way we even how our Internet functions in our daily life. Uh, everything is going to change. The future always brings about change. There's no denying that and there's no changing that. So why not just start a show and uh, record some history? Who knows? Maybe your kids' kids will listen to your podcast and they'll notice that you have some of the same uh, uh, idiosyncrasies or ways of talking, you know? That'd be pretty cool. Imagine your ancestors had a, a fucking podcast that you could go back and listen to and just uh, just like you'd basically be able to, you know, get a better understanding of where you came from. So by recording a podcast now, you're actually thinking about your future and you're giving your uh, future family members a better sense of where you're coming from.
2: The show is called Bad Reception and their home site is Bad Rec, badrec.com plus you can find the show in all the other usual podcast haunts or you should be able to soon they've uh, just really gotten started so i'm sure they're finding their distribution points as they grow i'm going to move along to our next clip/podfest interview combo coming up but first let's listen to a brand new commercial from our good friends at Henderson's pants
10: oh, la, 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 la.
0: another innocent pedestrian another inattentive driver Another senseless death on another crowded city street. Looks like someone wasn't wearing his Henderson's pedestrian pants. The only pants that tell oncoming traffic, please don't hit me. Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here. And if you're like me, you've probably realized that the simple act of trying to walk from point A to point B in downtown America has become a little like going ten rounds with Mike Tyson. Chances are, you're eventually going to get hit. And why wouldn't you? With so many drivers using their valuable time behind the wheel to shave, eat lunch, or check in with their good friends on social media, who in the heck has time to watch where they're going? Going anymore, (laughs) not me, and that's why Henderson's has come to the rescue. With pants so iridescently bright, they instantly turn a potentially deadly intersection into a cone-zone crosswalk of a discriminating fashion runway. With Henderson's Pedestrian Pants, even folks who are asleep at the wheel or vying for their city's DUI record will see you coming from blocks away with colors like radioactive isotope green, volcanic pumpkin vomit orange, and bladder infection yellow. But stylish color options are only part of the magic of Henderson's Pedestrian Pants. Built into the protective heat resistant lining of these beauties are over 10,000 watts of flexible Kleeg Light strips that will illuminate your legs like a Broadway marquee. Nothing says, See me coming like a pair of Henderson's pedestrian pants. Originally designed for the Rockettes of Radio City Music Hall. Dirt track race car drivers And power walking narcissists With a taste for the bizarre Henderson's pedestrian pants Are available at your local All occasion security barn And wherever used traffic flares are sold That's Henderson's Makers of potentially life saving outerwear Since 1911 And now back to Suckatash
2: Someone else I got to spend some time chatting with at the Los Angeles PodFest last month was Christine Blackburn of the Storyworthy Podcast, co-hosted by Hannes Finney. Christine's always fun to talk to, plus she kept finding new people for me to interview while I was there, which was great. I made some new podcaster friends and found out some great new shows I've never heard of before that we will be featuring on future episodes of Suckatash. Here's a clip from a recent episode of Storyworthy, their Trouble in My Pants episode, with a story related by guest Iris Barr. After the clip, I'll slide right into the interview.
12: Chapter 17, it began in Africa. In preparation for our jaunt this evening to the dance club Mama Africa, Talia and I don our most asset-accentuating outfits. I wear my damn-her-ass-looks-good tight jeans and my roomie-can't-quite-tell-how-big-her-boobs-are t-shirt. While Talia wears her roomie, she might have an ass-it's-hard-to-say jeans and a holy-shit-look-at-those-jugs tight t-shirt. Most men probably wish they could cut and paste us together. But lucky for us, we're in South America and the pickings are slim. It's nice to be big fish in a small pond. Why choose otherwise? I can't imagine working at a modeling agency or hanging out in Sweden or Ukraine. The damage to one's self-esteem would be devastating. Even brief visits to these locales borders on masochism. Mama Africa is a cramped underground cave with wood-paneled walls, a low ceiling, lots of sweaty backpackers, and 80s music. Talia and I stroll in. All eyes turn to us. Actually, to Talia's breasts, which of course have the advantage over my ass, which happens to be behind my body. I should have walked in backward. Note to self for next time. The high school dance standards pound away. Superstition, respect in the name of love. Within seconds, Talia's dancing with a narrow Israeli dude of Yemenite descent. He has a cute face, but squiggly, chemically-assisted blonde hair. I'm left dancing with myself, feeling stupid. Oh, God. Bohemian Rhapsody just started. Kill me now. Perfect time to pee. Someone has been in the bathroom forever. Going in now is almost as scary as when people leave the toilet lid down. Lifting it up without knowing what's lurking inside the bowl is as terrifying as unprotected sex in Rio. Finally, the culprit emerges. Holy Christ, he's a local. The most gorgeous local I've ever seen. The guy Mel Gibson would cast if he were making Apocalypto, a love story. (laughs) It's as if Johnny Depp, Clive Owen, and an Inca sperm donor had a child together. Luscious olive skin, broad shoulders, long, shiny black hair... "'Big brown eyes, a perfect Roman nose, and remarkably appealing teeth. "'He eyes me for a beat. "'God damn it, woman, why didn't you wait with your ass facing the door? "'Don't you learn?' (laughs) "'Qué linda,' he says, admiring my face. "'I forgot about my face. It's not so bad, apparently. "'His name is Raúl, and he is a Cusconian. Cusquino, Cusack, whatever, he's hot. "'And he's clearly smitten with me. "'Thank the Lord for small ponds. "'We dance for a while. "'At some point, Taya heads back to the guesthouse with Ahmed Blondie "'to get her Yemenite on.' Raul and I take a seat on a pile of fleece jackets in the corner. Not many words are exchanged, not because we are too busy making out, but because Raul speaks no English. And words like how much and the number five don't leave much room for meaningful conversation. (laughs) I can't tell if Raul is smart or dumb as a doorknob. When you're that handsome, the world assumes you're not bright. God giveth, God taketh away. But that's not really fair, is it? And does it really matter? It's not like Raul is coming back to live with me at the grad center at Brown to discuss postmodernist tropes over some celestial seasonings. But I can't help it. I need to see what's beyond the beauty. I'm that deep. Actually, scratch that. Right now, all I want to experience is the magic that is naked Inca. I can see it now. My grandchildren sitting at my feet, staring up at Grandma for words of wisdom. Yes, my beloved little ones, I would tell them, lust can conquer all. You may be short and neurotic and not have boobs as big as your best friend, but when everyone else looks kind of mediocre, the hottest guy in town will want to fuck you. And you need to know that and enjoy that and not give a shit if he has a brain. Now be a doll and get your grandmother her bedpan.
2: This is uh, Christine Blackburn from Storyworthy. Hi,
11: everybody. Nice to see you. I hear you.
2: <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Uh, now, you're gonna, you guys are not officially here.
11: No, Storyworthy Podcast is not in the festival this year, unfortunately. We neither were in su- last neither year. Neither is attack. Yeah, what's going on?
2: I think they're against us. Well, I think it's because we start with S. It's
11: a tricky thing. Our shows
2: both start with S and I think <laughs> yeah. they're... A lot yeah.
11: of folks want to be involved, of course, and they need to kind of spread the love around. Yeah. This year they have got the Risk Storytelling Podcast, which is fantastic. Oh, okay. And in fact, we had Kevin Allison on the show yesterday. Oh, you did? And okay. he'll be on, uh, that show will air on Storyworthy in November. Okay. So Kevin is terrific and yeah, so Risk is on tomorrow at noon. So that will be a great show as well. Yeah. So I think there might only be room for one storytelling show a year. There's many different kinds of podcasts. Well, that's the thing. You know,
2: there, there are so many types of podcasts and there are so many sort of similar types of podcasts sure. at the same time. Sure. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense.
11: Also, I think, obviously, they're going with, um, you know, numbers and how many people do you bring into your... Your podcast, I mean, physically to this location. Yes. And they seem to attract the, the comedians, the bigger comedians seem to attract the most people, like Mike Schmidt. Yes. You know, of course, and Mark Marin, and, you know, the, the, these guys who have quite a following already. Absolutely. So, that, yeah, that helps. so you're
2: not going to put a, a show in a big room that just is going to bring 12 people. It doesn't yeah, make any sense. Yes, yeah. I think
11: that's part of it. <laughs> yeah, and it's
2: going to be local because people aren't tra- I mean, there are people here, there are podcasters here from all over the country. Yes. But there are not fans from all over the country. Yeah, and mostly
11: the fans are here from LA so they yeah. want to see they want to see these bigger comedians it's great it's alright it's all good it's, yeah it's
2: the way it works and it's if people want to see the smaller podcasters they can come here to the podcast lab
11: yeah it's super fun <laughs> just to be around all these talented people It's you know I just had a guy recognize me in the in the lobby by my voice nice. he said oh my gosh you're Christine Blackburn and oh, I know that because of your voice how, he said, I wouldn't have recognized you. And I said, well, this is me. So
2: how often does that happen?
11: Oh, four, seven, <laughs> ten times a day.
2: But So when you hear no, that. it doesn't happen. It happens when, now But and when then. you hear that, how, how does it make you feel? I think feel?
11: it's really super, man. It makes me feel really good. Because I feel like my voice is really my biggest tool. You know, it's the clarity and, you know, being able to listen to me. Talk, though I can talk well. No, but, you know, just like trying to communicate. That's a quite a... That's quite a compliment. Now, does anybody come to you and say, I
2: recognize your voice. You're Hannes Finney.
11: Say it again? I'm sorry. I recognize
2: your voice. You're Hannes Finney.
11: Hannes Finney, yeah. Hannes, oh boy. (laughs) His voice is very specific. I'll tell you, one thing I like about our show is that it's, you know, myself and Hannes, and it's a man and a woman, and you can easily differentiate who's speaking. Sometimes I get a little overwhelmed with some of the podcasts where everybody sounds identically the same, and I...
2: That's one of my major beefs with what I call the "shootin' the shit shows, where you've got four or five dudes sitting around talking. Who's talking about what? Not only do they not identify who's talking, but they also don't have enough of a specific personality that you can even nail them by that you know because in a a show where you've got a panel you need a very distinct personality and point of view I think so because again
11: we're only using our ears you know so I I, I agree I agree it's very tricky when there's especially men four guys sitting around cackling I mean unless it's Howard Stern I can I can differentiate on Howard Stern sure
2: but but again those people all have different very specific people they're a whack pack that's right
11: everybody stands out that's
2: right Um, so you You've been doing Storyworthy now
11: for how long? Four years and about three months. Almost four and a half years. And, you know, I don't know. I've learned a lot.
1: What? From the ground
11: up, Mark. Tell, I've learned it from the ground up. Nobody tell, has told me anything. Tell us I've had to learn something
2: it. you've learned that you were very surprised about.
11: I am very surprised about this past year. Uh, this past spring in April, I decided to increase listenership. I decided to start dropping two shows a week, Uh okay? So I increased from one show a week to two shows a week, and I made a commitment to do that for five months, and I did that for five months. I produced 40 shows in five months, and I thought that that would double my listeners, and that is not true. Interesting. What has happened is it's given my listeners a choice of what to listen to. Oh. so I really didn't, I was thinking, you know, like, WTF is on twice a week, and I listen twice a week, Right. And Adam Carolla is on five times a week, and I listen five times a week, sure. and Storyworthy is on once a week, and, or twice a week, I listen twice a week, but in fact...
2: Guys, what's going on?
11: <laughs>
2: it's Super Ego. They're in the Hi, room. Super
11: Ego. Yay, good luck. Hey, come
2: talk to me if you get a chance today. I know you guys are busy. Break a leg. They were my guests on my 50th episode. Oh,
11: that's terrific. I they loved, were just I on. their show. Yeah, they were packed. They had a nice turnout.
2: Yeah, they do. So anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted No, no, no. You. I
11: was just saying that um, I did it for five months because I was an experiment to drop two shows a week, and it didn't work the way I wanted it to. And that's okay. I mean, I still have all those shows, and they're stockpiled, and I, you know, uh, actually storyworthy. I'm still recording every Friday, but I've got shows all the way up to take me all the way up to January now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I've got, st- I'm sitting on a lot of stories, which is great. I love sure. it. And also we do a, still do a best of every month, and so we pull two of the past stories and we repurpose them and use them again uh, in, in a fifth show every month now. So instead of dropping four or eight, we're dropping five.
2: <laughs> now, how has your show changed for you in terms of the fact that you guys are now on Sideshow
11: Network? It's really helped. Um, the folks over at Sideshow Network have been just uh, just just terrific. Sean Eric specifically, yeah, I mean the guy is just such a quality person, and he—I treat him with respect, and he treats me with respect, and we work well together. I know not to bug him with texts. I know to just keep it in an email. I need—I know to keep it short, and I know that the most of most of the um, workload is still on me, of course. Right. But sideshow kind of legitimizes the show. Uh, they've got a wonderful studio, good parking. Uh, you know, so when people come there, you're proud to say, "Welcome to our studio." Video, would you like a <laughs> beverage? And there are beverages. You know what I mean? So it's very professional. <laughs> well, they have water here at the it podcast it keeps it lab. clean. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that you can have as much of, water as you want. A real treat, yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, um, what now that you've you've tried your two shows a week experiment? Uh, what do you think is in the future for Storyworthy? You just kind of sort of stay the course.
11: Well, it's a good question, Mark, because it's very hard. It's very hard to keep putting out content and not getting money. Yes. I mean, there's some monies, but it's not enough. And so you say to yourself, "Wait a minute." But the thing is, I love it. Like I really enjoy it. Yeah. And sideshow supports me what i want is a television show okay. you know i want this to be story worthy isn't i mean it's a it's a all the elements are there for a perfect sure. 30 minute show yeah. we introduce the topic we introduce the guests. they tell their story we chat about the topic ask them what are they working on now and we're out i mean it's all very this is i'm not breaking down walls here i mean this is not a not a new concept however the way we put it together is slick and it's tight and everybody does have a story, so uh, celebrities specifically bringing forth their stories, it's kind of a win-win, because they choose the story, right. and we highlight them. So it's a win-win. The idea of Storyworthy is for everyone to leave feeling good and warm and fuzzy. I am not a hard ass <laughs> interviewer I don't want anybody to be upset with what they've said or didn't say it's a win win right. I am all about like
2: Everybody Ellen DeGeneres happy
11: yeah that's how really she's a really uh, good mark for me to look toward in terms of how she leaves people feeling that's how yeah. I want to leave people feeling You know.
2: so how do you move story worthy from podcast to television
11: well we're trying to get some money right now we're, we've started a Patreon campaign trying to get $5,000 to produce a pilot okay. uh, I've got Todd Flass on board to do the pilot with us, and you know, uh, to present it, and then start pitching it around to different networks. It's hard because I'm not a celebrity; I don't have a name. There's plenty of celebrities out there who aren't working who would say, "Well, I would like to host a storytelling yeah. podcast." I mean, why would we go with this girl? You don't even know her. You know me; hire me. So yeah. it's it's a tricky thing. I don't know exactly, and there's nothing to draw upon because we're all learning and we're all navigating this whole system. And of unless you're Mark Marin or Adam Carolla. You know, everybody else is kind of like just putting their feet... So I'm just doing my best. I just keep putting... Just keep creating, creating. I have ideas and more ideas and more ideas. And so I'm just constantly... um, podcasting gives you that you know ability to do your own thing man and just yeah. see what happens and just because the money isn't coming in the way i'd like it to come in doesn't mean i don't want to do what i'm doing
2: have you uh, you've probably already done this or thought about it but just done like a, a limited web series of episodes just to have a, a working pitch really right i do i need a sizzle
11: reel for my game show i have a game show shotgun story worthy and i desperately need yeah. a sizzle reel for that but even that i mean i need a camera i need lights i need an editor i mean i need well, I I could do the editing but i mean i need it to look clean you cannot put a piece of shit together you get like, in my opinion one shot to pitch a show and do it well mm-hmm. so if i'm going to do the storyworthy podcast i need to pay people in lighting sound camera work i mm-hmm. mean i can call in favors from people but at the end of the day you got to pay a little bit and you got to pay your guest i mean what is Todd Glass going to come down and do that for me you know what i mean but if i say hey todd i'll give you 300 bucks or whatever i'm just throwing those numbers out and i'm just throwing todd's name out but i'm just saying it You have to pay for it. At the end of the day, you want a good, clean pilot, you got to pay for it.
2: Okay. I actually have somebody you could pitch that game show idea to. Oh, I would love you to give uh, so me a, that name. A couple of producer friends of mine who Thanks. do game shows and reality shows. Well,
11: Shotgun Storyworthy is such a great idea because it's um, you know there's the singing show American Idol and the dancing yes. show Dancing with the Stars and Shotgun Storyworthy is the it's the game show for storytellers. It's 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 to showcase what kind of story you can tell. And again, it's uh, we've been playing Shotgun Storyworthy at iOS every Friday night on Hollywood Boulevard and having a really good time there at Iowa West because it's an improv club we ask for suggestions on the wheel right yes. so so people yell out their suggestions and like a couple of weeks ago somebody yelled out fish so we write fish on the wheel somebody lands on fish and you know what they had a terrific fish story nice do you have a fish story Mark?
2: I think everybody has a fish let's story let's hear your
11: fish story uh, you get one minute by the
2: way. one minute yeah. no fish. okay, I was uh, twelve years old. I'm telling you, uh-huh. I was on a family vacation at north shore Lake Tahoe where okay. we went every year. Oh lovely. And my parents wanted to take my brother, sister and me to the Ponderosa ranch, which okay. is up there you know, where they film bonanza. Yeah. I go, I do not want to do that. I wanna there's a fish underneath this pier that I can see. It's a trout. It's a one foot long trout. I'm gonna catch this trout. And so they said, fine, do whatever you want. And so I lay on this pier, and I had my fishing line down in the water, and I could see this fish swimming around and yeah, around yeah. the hook and the bait. Yeah. And I just, I went and I made myself a sandwich, and I came back, and I literally waited for five hours. Yeah. And finally, the trout goes, I guess that thing's okay. Oh. Took it, bit it. Reeled it up out of the water, and I ate that fish that night.
11: See that? God damn it! Look at you, Mark. That was about a forty-nine-second story. Perfect. Thank That's you. how you play a shotgun story. Right? See? See that? Everybody can play. I want to be on the show. I'd, I'd love, love to, to have you on, on our show. show. Are you kidding me? And I
2: want to bring you to Northern California. I got oh a great theater. Oh my gosh! To do your, to do your we would love with. to.
11: We would really love that. In fact, I have a girlfriend I can stay with up there. So, okay. and you can hook me up with some guests yes. to interview. They're I, storytellers.
2: Yes, there's com- of course there's comedians. There's okay. all sorts of people. Okay.
11: Okay. So we're gonna come gonna great. come. That I might. I'm gonna try to bring Honest. If he doesn't come, I'll come myself. Okay.
2: So I can stay great. with my
11: girlfriend. You book. Help me book the thing. Absolutely. We'll do it. I'll co- thanks, host
2: video oh, I wanna come. Most of you, want to come up. Sweet. How
11: about that? Thanks, Mark. Absolutely. You're such a delight. You guys do good work here at Succotash. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thanks
2: for talking to us. Enjoy yeah. the rest of the podcast. Thanks, Mark.
11: You too. All right.
2: Christine is always a delight to talk to, and as you heard, we're trying to figure out a way to get her and the story-worthy show up to the Bay Area for one or more shows. I'll let you know if that happens. Our associate producer tossed me yet another podcast I've never clipped before. Happy, Sad, Confused with host Josh Horowitz. He claims to talk to your favorite celebrities about everything and anything. I don't know about that, but he recently chatted up Justin Long, who's a favorite of
6: mine, about working with Kevin Smith, who directed him in the oddball film Tusk. But um, what do you think it says about Kevin that he comes to you? Like he writes a script, he comes up the story and he comes to you. And what do you think it says about you that you say yes? Because the first part of that, I don't, I don't know what it says about how he sees me. And I'd like to think it's a positive thing, but I'm also, um, I, I also don't necessarily have the high, the greatest self-esteem. And so I think it, there have been moments where I thought, is, does he just like? Does this mean maybe subconsciously that he doesn't really like me? That he would subject <laughs> me to this kind of thing? Because what happens is this my character is. is uh, it's pretty gruesome in a creative way, but it's very—it's it's horrendous. Not, yeah, it's like it's, I have to say a worse nightmare is to not even like who would have this nightmare <laughs> exactly? <laughs> that's that's giving way too much uh, value to to nightmares. Yeah, that's insulting to nightmares. <laughs> right. Nightmares are like we're not just fucked up. We wouldn't do this. Uh, yeah, it's 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 that, and so um, but then of course I, I was also really I was so flattered that he asked me to do it, and, and, and uh, it, if you ever want. Inactive to do anything, you just lead with flattery. And he sent me this email that was um, that was very much that. It was just uh, flattering and and flattering that he had asked me. And so I went into the script knowing that I was going to do it regardless. Because I'd also worked with Kevin, and um, and had I just loved working with him. And he would give me some. He was just one of those guys. He would give me a lot of freedom and. I trusted him, and, and uh, so I was going to do it regardless. Do you think it's just he has lucky body chemistry, and that you know the the old adage is that pot doesn't necessarily um, make somebody ambitious, and yet he is like he's six podcasts like a week, he's got like a movie a year oh, at least. He's the like, most he, prolific, yeah. As is Seth Rogen. Seth is an right. incredibly productive guy, and They're just and I, the right the right I, strain of it. They must be because because <laughs> Kevin started smoking. Kevin never <laughs> smoked before. Seth Seth introduced Kevin weed, and and so I. I've actually smoked. I think uh, Seth's stuff, and, and it's really strong. I, really, as is Kevin's. So like mm. the, the night I met, to, I, I went to meet him um, to discuss the movie, and uh, he, he, you know, I, I took just one hit of this stuff, just just to kind of like fit in and like be cool, because <laughs> it's Kevin Smith, and like I feel like it would be rude not to. Right. It's um, it's like when you go to a foreign, you know, country, and, and you turn the down. Customs, food. Of the, yeah. Yes, it's rude and, and out of respect to Kevin. I... I smoked, and, and I was like, and he just went through, like, two and a half months, like, they were, just like they were cigarettes, like, he was, Does he uh, do that during production, too? I'm not going to say no. <laughs> well, then you kind of just said yes. I'm not going to say yes. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know how he does it. I mean, like, I was, the next day, I was like, oh, he, and we had, like, we were, I had these ideas about some of the things in the script, and, and, um. And so we were discussing a lot of like a, a lot of the script. And the next day, I thought, like, oh, he's not going to remember any of that. Like that was just such a waste of time. It was fun, but yeah. like, and within four or five days, he had implemented all of these things we talked about so perfectly, so in such a funny, great right. way. Um, I don't know. I, I don't get it because I, I wish I could. I smoke, and I'm like, let's watch Seinfeld and go to bed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Catch more celebrity interview action with Josh Horowitz at
2: happysadconfused.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded and or streamed. Here's more of Monster Party with James Gones, Sean Sheridan, Larry Stroth, and Matt Weinhold for my guest appearance on their Mad Doctor episode, which, as I said, just dropped this week. After the clip, I'll segue directly into my podcast chat with co-host and former Succotash guest, Matt
3: Weinhold. I mean, if you remember in the movie, the creature when it is first created is actually it's a good-looking guy. Yeah, it's a yeah, my, my, Michael, Michael Sarah's Sarah's her, right. Yeah. And then and then and he couldn't and and uh, Whiting is just so thrilled. He's so proud of his creation, and slowly but surely, he sees he sees the, like degenerating the degeneration. Right, yeah, which is a cool approach to that too. Like you know, making him kind of. Right out the gate, he's kind of like this Adonis, and then he yeah. slowly, you know, deteriorates. It was um, a little more faithful
2: to the original novel, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, although I, yeah, he was supposed to be a beautiful creation, right? Yeah. Right. Now it's been age. I read
4: the book. Maybe I, th- I think I was in junior high school when I read the actual book, but I thought that from the very beginning he was, he was kind of hard on the eyes. Like, the, <laughs> right, yeah, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, Matt. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, the votes from the beholders are in,
3: <laughs> and <laughs> but what Frankenstein, not so good. What was really no. tragic it was like at the end, uh, he has this great little monologue where he's actually asking the creature for forgiveness. And it's 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 the one Dr. Frankenstein that actually, I think, does that, where he actually begs mm-hmm. forgiveness from the, the monster. Which um, I think is in the book. Yeah. Unlike, let's say, the Kenneth Branagh version. Yes. Now oh, – I, yeah. uh, I can't even go there. Well, did you did you see that? Yes. yes. Yeah. The movie's a mess. It's just – it's just I dull, mean, really. I actually, it's, walked out on that. It's, oh, are, oh. Yeah, it's, a, it's an uh, over the top. Yeah, serious? It's a bad, serious. over the top movie. It's it's was a misfire. Kenneth, was Kenneth Brody just in love with himself or something? Uh, Maybe, I mean, yeah.
2: I, uh, how they, could that they, be possible? But <laughs> it does hold true yeah. with the book in one regard, in that if you read the book, the monster does look like Robert De Niro. It's described literally. <laughs> yeah, in De Niro right. esque <laughs> <De Niro-esque> features. <laughs> <laughs> I like there that scene go.
4: in Frankenstein where he's talking about the bride and he goes, did "You fuck my wife."
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually don't remember that part.
4: Uh, yeah.
1: Well, did uh, we you fornicate to... with my wife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know,
3: no. oh, how about I wanted to bring up another kind of classic. Much more kind of ruthless and cold, mad doctor would be um, uh, Doctor Moreau from the Island of Lost. Talk about a, I mean, like a a true evil surgeon. Yes. right. Um, I mean, this guy was was like blatantly experimenting on humans, turning them into these you know creatures. Creature. I mean, these animals. And it's a strange.
4: That's another one that's really. It's a hard one to judge because it, depending on who's playing him, and if you're yeah. going back to the book, yeah, the. Charles Lawton, Dr. Moreau, yeah. is amazing mm-hmm. and creepy amazing. super and, creepy, and very, very intimidating. And But there's also this element of that character that you feel like he does also have this this bigger goal. Like he feels what he's doing – yeah, he's sort of taking the role of God, but he feels it's for the best. He If he can raise these animals into something as noble as human beings, mm-hmm. then right, he's, right. he's doing good work. But you could tell, at least in the movies – Mm -hmm. There's that little... Sadistic element <laughs> that I
1: think he oh, yeah. sort
4: of enjoys when they start reverting. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Now this was a movie. Get that, that me. cut into a cougar man.
3: Three different, three different times though, right, Sean? Uh, what well, it, uh, I you think have I Charles Lawton. Yeah. Then in the seventies, you had Lancaster, Burt Lancaster in the oh. Island of Doctor Moreau. John Chambers' makeup. Yeah, oh. good, good makeup. Right. Michael, Michael, Michael New York, York, Barbara Michael Carrera. Barbara cool. Carrera.
4: Oh.
1: oh, yeah, yeah. Oh,
4: let's all just take a moment. And then you have a
1: third
3: oh. one. Yeah, in the nineties, Val Kilmer and Marvin Brando, which is a
1: crazy. Favorite one?
4: Is that your favorite? Oh no, god. <laughs> uh, I have to say, it is one of my favorite comedies now though. Yeah, but it is. It's
3: it is not, is kind of of not a comedy, Matt. So it was not it's made so as a comedy. No, I know, but it's though. so it's <laughs> so, so great. It's like a train wreck you can't
4: take your some, eyes off it. It's anymore. a little bit of showgirlsy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, so many things that are wrong.
2: <laughs> Hello, Matt. Hi there! How are you? I'm great. Matt, as you recall, not only visited us uh, in person, but uh, is also the co-host of the Monster Party Podcast, which we have have featured on the show a couple of times, and I've reviewed it on uh, splitsider.com. In fact, you're mentioned there this week again. I swear it's much better. I'm
4: sure it is. uh, We know know mic placement now. Excellent. uh, And how to pace drinking. What? By not pacing it. Ah. Yes. The
2: secret is not a secret. Yeah.
4: Go full on in. Excellent. Jump
2: on into the keg (laughs) and start swimming. Well, when we talked to you uh, in the interview that I did with you, you were just going to start Monster Party. You'd done a couple of... YouTube videos. That's right.
1: Yes, uh, it,
2: it was sort of part and parcel of being in a hotel room around Comic Con. Yes, that was
4: the whole genesis of this project. Was uh, my friends getting together, sitting in a hotel room after Comic Con. We, you know, do the dealer's room the entire day. We walk the floor, and then the convention really starts. Yeah. yeah, we start drinking, and next thing you know, somebody is hurting somebody else's feelings about. Tron. <laughs> right. There's a, you know, someone throws a punch over crawl.
2: We start with one-word titles and then move on.
4: Of course, yeah. of course.
2: Um, and so then you, uh, you've you now rolled it out, and you're uh, quite a number of episodes along, right?
4: Yes, yeah, and we're picking up some steam. Yeah. And
2: you decided to add guests, which is great. You've had some great guests on. We
4: love the guests. And uh, it was always something we were planning on doing, but we kind of wanted to just sort of find our... Find your voice. Find my voice. Yes,
2: yes. Um, so, is it all that you expected?
4: Is it more than you expected? Um, I think it's fantastic. It's it's actually one of those things where. Uh, the more we do, the more we feel like we're actually at a place where we've, we're getting good at it. Like, uh-huh. we know what this thing is now. Everybody, everybody kind of knows their place, to, who they are in the show, and that's been a really funny
2: sort That's of been an interesting discovery listening to the show evolve, right? Yes, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like you start out as sort of, it's this just kind of guys talking about movies, and then everyone starts to have their own sort of their their niche, territory. Yeah. Their territory. Yes, well, like...
4: You know, I'm the wise-ass. Larry is ridiculously passionate. Um, Sean is... He is our horror Wikipedia. Okay. He's got all the information. And I would say James is sort of our lovable curmudgeon. Yeah. So the guest fills what role, then, do you think? The guests are to mix it up, I think. Okay. They're the wrench in the works. Ah. Uh, nice. And because and what will happen is... You kind of need guests because after a while you get too comfortable with each other. Yeah. And so you ca- kind of need some new blood to go, you know, I've been listening to you talk for 15 minutes and you're wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we know, okay, we're, we're,
2: we're, we're going well. We're going yes. in a good du- direction. So you guys have covered a number of topics, right? I mean, you've talked about the, the universal monsters. You've talked about specific, like, vampires uh, you've talked about time travel. Yes, um, the great Jake Johansson. Yes, which was t- a terrific show. I was so so angry I wasn't on the time travel one because that's one of my favorite genres. We'll have another one. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and uh, but what are there genres that are your favorites that you really like to dig into? Or are you just such a fan of? sort of monster and horror sci-fi movies in general that it's all fun.
4: I like I like almost every topic to a certain degree, but there are certain ones where um, I feel like it's really my territory, something that I really um, feel passionate about. And like Planet of the Apes was a great one with Dana Gould. Yes. Uh I I've, I've been into the ape series since I was a kid. It was like one of the first movies I ever saw in the theater. So, yeah. I mean, and you know, I followed the, sh- the TV show and the cartoon, and uh, so that was a great one. But then there are ones where we just did one that was called "What the Hell Is Wrong with Us," <laughs> and that was one of th- those are the kind of shows I really enjoy because it's it gets into it sort of got into our origin story. What made us? Why are we the freaks that we are now? How can we function in society? given the fact that, you know, we're behaving at a, uh, you know, 14-year-old
2: level. (laughs) So were there discoveries made along the way in an episode like that, where you found out things about your co-hosts you didn't know?
4: Well, we did one with uh, Ken Daly, which was about dark rides. Yes. And we were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. And uh, James described a situation where he was on a date and he hurt his eye on the date and he was at Disneyland. And he needed something to sort of cover up his eye so he actually bought a pirate eye patch and wore it the entire day. date didn't find it too amusing. Really? No, no. And that made me laugh. I, you know, just this just pissed off woman as James walks around Disneyland with a pirate at patch.
2: Now, I... I heard something on that episode that was very disturbing. I didn't know before that people literally will sprinkle the ashes of their dead loved ones in yes. the haunted mansion. Right? Yeah, that's I creepy. That's well,
4: the fucked up. Come on. That's probably the cleanest thing in the water. I uh, probably But the yeah. like, come on, that. That's, oh, that's just creepy. Well, it's a good place to get away with it. That's I guess. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And do that sort of like that, especially if you do that thing like in the Great Escape, where you have <laughs> the ashes sort of inside your pant leg, and as you walk,
2: yes, you distribute time. them evenly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Now, have you heard from listeners?
4: Are you getting listener response? We have uh, gotten some reviews on iTunes. I'm still trying to just work this whole thing out. There's a lot of sort of nuts and bolts things that are like, oh, that's how you do it. Okay. Yeah. And that's how you get responses from people. Uh, but all the response that we have been getting through Facebook and Twitter and um and iTunes, it's been positive, and I think people really uh, have been catching on to the fact that we're not we're not posers. We're not you know we're not. I'm not trying to get a sh- like a TV show out of this. If you want to give us one, that's great. But but it's really what I what I want from the podcast is to really just recreate that Comic Con feel. We love Comic Con. We would go to Comic Con every year and and look forward to it. Yeah. And yeah, the the con is fun, and we're rabid collectors and we're always looking for treasures but the part that we really look forward to was hanging out with each other and it was really a great way because a lot of times i wouldn't see these guys until comic-con everyone's working and now we have this great excuse to get together and recreate that feeling and recreate um you know some of these passionate battles that we've had over just nonsense yeah and uh and really grow closer as friends how did the four of you guys first Um, meet up Well, I met Sean through another friend of mine, John Platt,
1: who I did
4: uh, some commentary for um, a a sci-fi show a long time ago. I think it was called Sci-Fi Entertainment. But um, it was was there that I, I met John. And then John said he had a friend who was doing this... Sort of a spec game show that was science fiction horror related and wanted to have me as a guest. And I ended up doing the pilot, I ended up winning it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that Sean was also this rabid collector
1: and had all these
4: Godzilla toys and everything. And it made me so happy. And we just initially just hit it off. And we've been friends ever since. And then through another guy on the show was Larry. Okay. And he was one of the other participants, and he's great, he's funny, and um, just really outgoing. And then James was a friend of Larry's, who, I I think I met him at Comic-Con, but all just super sweet, nice, and assuming people. We're passionate in our nerdiness, and um, every time we argue about something, we'll get heated, And then the mic is off, and it's like,
1: that was great!
2: That's (laughs) funny. Now, I have a listener to Suckatash who's listened to your show who... Uh, sent me a note and said if there's any way this could work out he would love to be your bartender for <laughs> for your show on an episode of your show. Sure. He loves your show and he goes I would just love to be there in the room and serving them drinks. Well it's <laughs> funny that
4: we, we thought of like if we ever did when we were originally doing our, our um, the uh, uh, YouTube show Yes. that it would be funny to have you know a hot girl or something yeah, you know, yeah. doing the cocktails but we'll take a dude. Sure. Yeah. Okay okay as long as you know yeah. sexy is sexy we don't you know absolutely I'm, I'm yeah, still right
2: exploring right. in my life so <laughs> anything could happen. You're you're still curious. Yeah. All right, I'm good. life curious. Nice. I like that. I like that. Um, what else is keeping you busy these days? I work at uh,
4: Playboy. Playboy Enterprises. Playboy TV. Cleaning the grotto? Oh, no. Uh, well, that's how I got in. That's sort of their mail room. And you spend about 10 years there. And just when all the life behind your eyes disappears, if they, they snack- go, hey. Get over the TV division. (laughs) But I started working there on a show. Uh, They have a show called the Foursome Walk of Shame and Foursome Walk of Shame is this show where it's they had a show called Foursome which was a dating show where they were well, not dating but they would it was a hookup show. show okay. two guys two girls would go to a house and they had 24 hours to you know maybe have Do some it. fun but uh, a lot of times it didn't happen because they were some really stupid or horrible people so they wanted to repurpose some of these some of these shows and so what they did did is they got the shows and then they had a bunch of comics watch them and comment on them. And then we cut those comments into the show. And so I did the show, and then I came back and they asked me if I wanted to be an executive producer and writer, yeah. So it was great. So I did that, and I got a bunch of my friends to come on. I got Overton and oh, sure. Data Gould and Bobby Slayton. And really fun. And then they asked me to do, they have another show. Called the stash, and the stash is sort of like it's like the soup but with adult content. Okay, so make fun of um, news stories that involve sex or products and you know footage from movies and probably. The most fun I've ever had. It really, seriously, That's fantastic. so great working there. Everybody at Playboy is so cool, and my boss is great, Wendy Miller,
1: and um, they
4: really, instead of second guessing you all the time, they sort of assume that maybe you actually know what you're doing, or that you've been in comedy all these years. Maybe you pick something up, and they, Isn't that refreshing? they, yeah, they let you make a show, and it's been, it's just been rewarding and great, and. Again, one of the funnest
2: places I've ever worked. was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so you're here at the podcast festival. Our Monster Party isn't actually at the festival. We're not here.
4: Just in an official a, capacity. An, yeah, I'm an
2: I'm a, a emissary.
4: Okay. Kind of in the Benjamin Cisco way. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you yeah, know, it's wow. no, no, we're going there. Wow. We're going there. Okay. No, uh, yeah, I'm an, an, an ambassador. I like to think of myself as wrong. <laughs> to your Cisco. Well, that means you eventually get to hook up with Chase Masterson. Well, so, yes.
2: <laughs> I did not choose the role lightly. Good. Good work, my friend.
4: But yeah, I mean, I came I, last year when we were just getting the podcast going, yeah. I was here and was guest, a guest on a Jake's, Jake's show, and then I also um, hosted one of the seminars that they had, and that was great because it was about how to monetize podcasts. And I haven't really done that but, but just being here was so helpful in understanding this whole thing because there, it, it's, it's easy to do and complicated at the same time and the complications aren't really necessarily that you're doing something wrong, it's more like there's an extra thing you could be doing that you didn't know about and so but it's been really fun for me and it's I'm such a technophobe and I got to this place where I was doing YouTube tutorials and f- figured out how to do this. Yeah. And I was so proud. Like, I worked. I figured out how to use Audacity. You've known me for years. Yes. I, the fact that I could do that. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. I, I, I,
1: it's... Yeah. Well, when I I
2: first—I was just talking to somebody who just had just started their podcast. When I started this,
1: I thought my brain was going to explode. When
2: I first tried to figure out how to get online with my content, I was—I literally was going crazy. I was looking at YouTube, I was going, I don't understand. I'm looking at some 22-year-old kid on a camera, going, I don't understand what you're saying. He's not talking to me. He's just—he's just recording. I, I don't understand. Say it slowly. Well, now there's
4: so many tutorials that yeah. I go to the I go to the one that's meant for like you know yeah. mentally handicapped people. Yeah. yeah, the one with the subtitles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, uh, you, there's a series of colored boxes and a downloadable that, PDF right. so you can follow. <laughs> exactly. Along. I bought a book
2: that's six pages long and stain resistant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: but it is. I mean, it, it's a pretty low barrier to entry. It's not like starting your own TV station.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: But even
4: that is almost
1: yes. You know, that's true. I,
4: yeah. If you look at it, you're right. But, um, but so much fun. And one thing, one of the things I got last year from that seminar, the idea of like not doing this. The idea of that this is gonna be my thing. I'm gonna make money. No, no. Don't put that aside. Yeah. You got to do this because you love it. And 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 what's great about having this podcast and it really has been that
0: that my reward is
4: hanging out with my friends and doing this thing it's like having our own little club or bowling team and anything else
2: that comes of it great yeah, I mean, same thing for me. I do the, you know, I do, I clip podcasts that I enjoy listening to, and I interview comics that are friends of mine. And people go, how did you get Matt Weinhold? How did you get Dana Carvey? How did you get the amazing Jonathan? They're, well, they're friends of mine. Yeah. It wasn't hard. I picked up the phone and said, hey, let me interview you, you know? And that's funny, too,
4: because I had no idea the, how many monster fans there are out there who are comics. Oh, funny. And when I told everybody that, yeah, I'm going to have Bobby Slayton on, I'm like Bobby oh, Slate. Yeah, he, he loves universal monsters. He, he's crazy for him. He had a giant creature from the Black Lagoon collection.
2: Yeah. That uh, I remember he sold he a lot of stuff, but he
4: still has a good amount of
2: it. And I remember when he it. got that life size figure and he had a right. he had a Polaroid he used to carry around in his wallet and show people.
1: I just fucking bought this thing. <laughs>
4: and 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 that makes me love him. Yeah. Just, and he was so yeah. great. And and yeah, it's this nice little uh, fraternity of people. I we just Went to this monster show here in town called um, Monster Palooza, okay. and they had, and they have it. Like there's Monster Palooza, the regular one, then there's Son of Monster Palooza, which is sort of a smaller version of it. But it was really great. The one we went to had a lot of the people. Reunited from um, Phantasm. Wow. From Texas Chainsaw. Really? Gunnar Hansen, the guy who plays yeah. uh, Leatherface, yeah, yeah. was there. And I got him to sign my poster wow. and toys. And and uh, and then they also had, and they've been doing this, and this is the really unique thing about this convention, too, is what they've been doing is they've been getting a lot of Japanese actors and suit actors from Godzilla and oh, Ultraman. Really? Oh, wow. And they, they got... Uh, you know, her Nakajima he's And he up. is and the first Godzilla He's still alive No kidding And yeah. this is Godzilla He was in most of the original Godzilla movies He's not still 50 feet tall uh, okay. He could well, possibly be at that I, age He's got a Well you know how you get older You shrink yeah, a little that's bit that's what I'm saying yeah. 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 yeah But he's still huge <laughs> He's still about 80 stories Wow that's amazing Yeah but well, spry. <laughs> <Of> really. <course. laughs>
1: <laughs> but and
4: that's the thing that I love so much about being in LA is that that it's going to happen here or New York or yeah, like the idea that here I am and it's 10 minutes from my house and here I am talking to Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you about the Japanese game show that
2: we did? Uh, I don't oh, think so. Did yeah. The Monster Party guys did? Well, no. Um,
4: there's a friend of ours who has this store called Creature Features. Okay. Taylor White. And it's a great place. It's a great store. It's on, um, it's on, uh, what it? what's, oh, all of a sudden you have that one of those brain farts. Yeah. It's a Riverside Magnolia. Okay, it's on Magnolia, and he has the store that sells monster-related stuff, but also it's a gallery. Oh wow! And yeah. so we go there all the time. They always having they're always having great art shows, and so there was this Japanese company that have were looking for Godzilla experts. Okay, and be, to do this special with American Godzilla experts and shoot it here for the debut of the new. Godzilla movie. Oh, okay. So he told them about a bunch of people. Larry was one of them. Sean and Jan, everybody from Monster Party was included. There was a guy named uh, John Fasano who's a really great screenwriter and artist who died recently, not long after. Oh, wow. But um, so we got all these people, and
2: so what the game Didn't show guys was. Did you have John Fasano on the show? We did. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. one of the, it was, and it was. I think
4: it was like three or four weeks wow. later. He he died, but. Just a really great guy. I mean, I, I didn't know him very long, but just such a sweetheart. Really fun on the show. Brought me a toy. Wow. I mean, just because he knew I collected stuff. Just, just a really great guy, and will absolutely be missed. But, and really knowledgeable, really yeah. sharp. But so they the crews came to my apartment. and came to everybody's place to look at and shoot our collections. So I'm going through and I'm making jokes about my stuff and and they're all Japanese and there's an interpreter but they're laughing and having a great time and so uh, we do all this shooting and then my, my somebody asked me about my wife and so, what does your wife think of this? And I'm like, oh, she's great. I, I wish she, she, could we meet her. Like, yeah, and when she comes home, and then I hear it from downstairs. Oh, I'm home. So she comes up, and they start interviewing her, and they love her, and, they love her and uh, they're in love with her because she's adorable. But um, so we get a call not long after. We're gonna we've been picked to do the show. And they want her, too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I told you know, a story now, about that, that when know. I first she first visited me <laughs> in my apartment yeah, in L.A., uh, you know, she was nice in San Francisco like at the time, the, uh, that right. I had to go to an audition, the, uh, and uh, when I came back, she had all my electronic Godzilla toys fighting each other, <laughs> and that's what I knew when I was in love. So for the show... They wanted us to reenact that. Oh, really? This,
13: this is crazy. It's, yeah, it's that's crazy. wild. And,
4: it's, and it was so much like a Japanese show. The way it was set up, there was a like there was a quiz that was. They put a Godzilla toy on a on a stool, and if we they'd ask a question. If we knew the answer, we had to run and grab the toy, the toy and put it up. And then they would choose us. We had to fight with the other people. It's just crazy. <laughs> and then so in the middle of like I'm running back and forth to grab this. Godzilla, and I reach back and I realize I've split my pants all the way up the back. And, and I'm and like, I don't know. I show one of the other guys, like, oh, you gotta show them that, they'll love that. So I show them it, and they went berserk. And they're like, cameras on my ass. And
1: so, I, you know,
4: however far I go in entertainment, in this country, yes. my ass is a huge star in Japan. That's
2: so gratifying, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it's something you can always have. They, it can't be taken from you. You remember Beatlemania?
4: Yes. I, um, my ass, the, right
2: now in Japan, it's it's, ass mania. it's ass mania. Wow. Yeah. You can't go to a gift shop. I would heard there was a new excitement over there. Yeah. I didn't realize I was so close to it. Yeah, just <laughs> when they got over Spinal Tap. Wow. Wow, that's, that is very special. Yeah. Well, on that note, Matt, I'm going to uh, close out our little chat here. Let's but, wrap her up. Uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, thanks for talking to us. Absolutely, this has been fun. And uh, enjoy the rest of the Podfest, won't you? I uh, am. Let's just
10: let's just take a walk, maybe,
2: and enjoy it together. Let's do it. I'll pack up my shit, as a matter of fact. All right. All right. I will watch you do that. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> It's always great hanging out with Matt whenever I'm in L.A., and I was especially happy to be asked to jump into the Monster Party with him and the guys. Catch their show on iTunes, etc., etc., and remember to visit and like their Facebook page and follow their tweets, at MonsterPartyHQ, on Twitter. It's time once again for our champion of the middle, Comedian, commentator, and raging moderate, Will Durst. This time out, he's got a timely rant about the upcoming midterm elections. Hey
13: guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the upcoming midterm elections, about which the suspense is non-existent. The election is less than a month away, but to call the anticipation for it underwhelming is to engage in the height of hyperbole. Like referring to the number of living dinosaurs roaming the streets of San Francisco as less than plenty. The country is abuzz with the same kind of anticipation you normally reserve for sock sorting and cleaning mud from the tread of your boots with a stick mud being a euphemism for stuff deposited by dogs that often resembles it, but maintains a much higher olfactory component. The midterms have always been the runt of the balloting litter, but this year's prospects have put the P.U. in puny. You can cut the apathy with a soggy bar coaster. According to the Pew Research Center, only 15% of potential voters say they are following the election closely, which seems to indicate that 15% of all Americans are related to a politician. The situation is especially dire for Democrats. They have two problems, an even lower score on the fervor scale, and the President of the United States. Uh, you know, what's his name? Barack Obama's coattails have frayed all the way up to his sleeves, It's gotten to where members of his own party are requesting he arrange photo ops hugging their opponents. Wouldn't be surprised to hear that some of them are digging into their campaign coffers to send gift certificates for rounds of golf on Martha's Vineyard. But voting is good for the country. It invests we citizens in our own governance. And if this bout of electoral lethargy continues, we might be forced to merge the midterms with Halloween. I mean, think about it. They have a lot in common. Both highlight tricks and treats, all the real action occurs in the dark, and oft times the face under the mask is even scarier. For Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst.
2: Thank you, Will. You can catch Will Durst hanging out on his home site, willdurst.com. He also tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. Alright, everybody. Out of the pool. That's it for Epi 97 of Suckatash Coming to you almost live from Honolulu, Hawaii. Know that I appreciate all of you who've been mentioning the show on Twitter and Facebook, and especially everyone who's taken the time to rate and review us on iTunes, and also given us a thumbs up on Stitcher. If you're shopping on Amazon.com, by the way, visit us first at SuccotashShow.com, and then just click on the Amazon banner at the top of the page. That takes you to the Amazon site, and anything that you buy, they send us a tiny cut of it. Well, they send us part of the price you paid. They didn't send us a tiny cut of the thing you bought. You can also click on our donate button at the Suckatash site. You can even buy some of our merch. There are so many ways to help pass the Suckatash in so little time, really. All right, thanks once again to Tyson Sainer, our associate producer, Joe Polino, our engineer producer, and Bill Haywatt, our booth announcer. I have been Mark Hirsch on your humble host, and you have been you. Thanks for passing the Suckatash. Aloha.
0: You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at marc at Suckatash Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. That
1: number again
0: is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit, our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Dirges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye.